have Rick Life on the line? Yes. So you can hear me okay, right? Yes, yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're coming in really good. So just okay, want to let everybody know. Okay, mm -hmm. this is live. We, we're not live, but we are recording. <laughs> okay, okay. I understand. So, so I'm just going to do a little brief intro. I'm Fam mm -hmm. Electric Ghost. I am a podcaster and um, keyboardist, musician, producer. And we've been interviewing uh, independent artists on the internet, uh, on also our video podcast program on YouTube, Twitch, and uh, Facebook since 2018. And we're glad to have Rick Life on the podcast. Thank you so much. So you are a music major and you're in Seattle right now? Uh, so uh, or, I was studying the music in Seattle, oh, in Seattle. And I already graduated the college. So now okay. I moved to San Francisco right now. So I live in San Francisco. Oh, so you're in the Bay Area. Yes, yes. Um, and so you... Um, are a producer, singer, songwriter, uh, you do, you're a music major. So you, did you learn like everything about production as your, as your major? Is that what you're focused on? Yes. Yes. I learned how to compose, uh, composition and then also mixing and then recording engineering. Also, I learned some, um, the basic knowledge about the music business or so overall about uh, music industry. That's really cool. So um, so we're going to get into the questions, but I wanted to do a little bit of the background. You spent most of your time, you were born in Tokyo, right? Yes. Japan. Yes. And um, you, since a kid, you, you were into like R&B and hip hop and pop, and you came to America to study music because... Um, you you love you say you're very emotional about music and you want to spread um, the word about music because you think it's really important. Yes, yes, because this is how I felt. Uh, I've been feeling about the music. So that since since I was kids, like I grew up with listening to a bunch of American like a pop R and B and the hip hop music, and then I realized that. Uh, at the time, like I, I didn't any understand the English language, but um, but I could feel the music, the sounds were really cool. Like, so mm -hmm. I realized the the music is the universal language, and then um, just can feel like emotionally, no matter what. Like, uh, even the people don't understand the lyrics, uh, but people can feel the sound and they enjoy the music. And so that's why I feel like um, I want to like express kind of thing and then they spread out like uh, how music, uh, how powerful music is, like uh, how like influential music yeah, yeah. To, to the people's lives. Yeah, it's like a big passion for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a, just in my background, I'm, I'm 53 two years old and we turned 53 this year mm. and i've been playing music since i was like 12 years old right i um i started on a clarinet and then i got really interested um this is back in the 70s mm. so it's like 1978 79 that mtv showed up right and mm. so music television was a big thing and all these bands that we had never seen because typically before in that time we only saw like the bands in the u.s right mm. and maybe the beatles or something like that but MTV allowed us to see bands from all over the world, mm. like from London. We saw the new wave bands coming out of Europe. And that really inspired a lot of us, like a second British invasion. And oh, a lot yeah. of us kids like went and got synthesizers. We went and got guitars. We started trying to sound like The Clash. Started sound, trying to sound like New Order and The Cure and Depeche Mode. And so that's how I got into music in the late 70s, kind of inspired by punk and new wave. And so I got into music production and it's a passion, you know, and I, a lot of yes, people dropped yes. off and, you know, I'm 52. I never stopped. <laughs> All my friends, they already got married. They stopped playing. Um, but I just decided to get into podcasting because I'm, I'm a fan as much as a musician. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when did you first get into music and like what age did you get interested in wanting to do music? I believe um, the first time, like when I started to the musical stuff was when I was four years old. Uh, my mom let me um, 
let me go to the the music uh piano academic school okay so the there yeah at the time i learned how to play just basic music uh the piano skill mm-hmm. uh i started from like a classical music like how to play the classical music with piano and then when i was 13 uh in the middle school I also started to play the flute. Uh I was in the ensemble team at the time. So that's why I played the flute in the band and I also mm-hmm. joined the uh there was a competition every year in Tokyo. So I joined the competition every summer the ensemble team and the last year like Before I graduate middle school like our team got the the gold prize the the first prize Awesome Yes the 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 incident make me think more seriously about the music career cuz it makes me so confident uh Yeah it, yeah it makes me so confident with my like a music like a musical ears and the the yeah, when, mm-hmm. yes so when you learn like yeah, i think it's like every person who's a musician they find out compared to a person that's not right yeah I, like i i tried to, like a bunch of instruments i started on um on a clarinet on a woodwind mm-hmm. and then the thing about that is like i'm i'm looking at all these bands on MTV i don't really see a lot of clarinets <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so 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 I'm like like I need a writing instrument. And mm-hmm. I figured like a writing instrument is a piano or a guitar. So I tried guitar, I couldn't do it. And I was really disappointed cuz I love Hendrix and I'm like I want to do guitar and mm-hmm. then I couldn't do it. So then I said, "Well, let's see if I could do piano." And I seemed to have an aptitude for the piano. So I I I took the piano and then I went right into synths. I started finding like Juno 106s and Mini Moogs and all kinds of, you know, Yamahas uh DX7s and and so I I was just really really impressed with what you could do with a synth back in the day before the DAW the synthesizer workstations were how you could put together a whole song by yourself you could you could use like a Korg M1 or you could use a uh from Roland and you could actually build the whole song on the synth you could do the drums the bass everything and so that's that really got me into it and um I think musicians just have this idea like once you feel that you have the talent um when did you start wanting to like write your own music cuz that's what I'm kind of segging into like you learn how to play and then some people they they go and play for like like an orchestra or they become a studio musician what made you want to actually write your own music So uh, I started to like write my own music since 2018 the before I decide to uh study music major mm-hmm. so uh i started write um with garage band on the iphone oh, cool. yeah yeah that's a cool tool that's But, funny cuz you know yeah. a lot of musicians actually use that i've interviewed like mm-hmm. 70 people and like 25 of them have said they use that Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I've so, I also see like so many musicians like uh, rappers artists like uh they start from garage band. So I think yeah, I start from there and everyone like everyone passed through from the the garage band after the like people moved to like a Pro Tools, Logic Pro, FL Studio or something yeah. like that. It's interesting because like back in the day I didn't have a dog like back like we had like um like groove boxes like oh. we had a, like i mpcs and roland had groove boxes so they had like you know mc101 mc707 type stuff so mm-hmm. the, everything was like hardware so so like if you wanted to get a beat like you have to have like an 808 or a 909 or a 727 so like or or like a tb303 So Whoa. a lot of everything I everything I came up with was I was actually in the time period when those devices were around. Oh, and so we we didn't have a DAW and my whole studio is nothing but like mini mogs and 707s and like I have hardware stuff. 
I'm a hardware guy. I, I like, I like the old school machines just because there's something about these machines when you use them, even if you get like a soft version of them, having the real machine with all the controls on it, it mm-hmm. actually is like playing an instrument. You know, a Whoa. lot of these hardware sense have some quirks about them that if you get the software version, you don't have the full capability that if you actually have the physical version, there's things you can do with the sliders and the knobs, you can actually play them. Um, and so then that makes the song like it basically, basically the song is as good as you can play your 707 or your TB03. If you learn how to use it, then you're kind of like a DJ. You learn how to scratch, you learn how to use it. And so it's kind of a cool thing. But um, so, yeah, you started to learn one to write your own music. But then a question I have is like, who are your influences? Who are, who are the people you looked up to in music that made you want to do music? And that people you could say that you're inspired by. I have so many like artists. Well, maybe your top I, ten. Uh, maybe your top ten. Top ten. <laughs> I yeah, I have so many the artists I respect, but I can say like the most, uh, the most I respect and that I was influenced by Quincy Jones. Wow. The, the reason why like I was biggest fan of Michael Jackson like all yeah, yeah. around yeah like when I was in like like a high school and middle school I really like his music but yeah, then the I realized yeah. <laughs> yes then I realized Quincy Jones like wrote his music yes 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 and then even I realized that he um developed so many music genres so uh I I watched the whole documentary on the Netflix or Hulu. Oh, I don't yeah, remember, yeah. but uh, <laughs> more I realized most of like famous music, like um, developed by him. Like uh, he developed the jazz to like a bossa nova, like a big band, and yeah, to yeah. that He's like very, a, yeah. <laughs> yes, the rock and then pop, like sounds like yeah, a pop a, and the rock and they mixed together. Yeah, he's just an amazing producer. I was actually talking to a guy, Kevin Stratton, who mm-hmm. actually is um, an inventor and um, like a synth guy, right? So Kevin Stratton, he actually met Quincy Jones. Um, and he, I, I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago and he's an inventor and he actually worked on the Yamaha DX7. He oh, actually, cool. yeah, he actually designed patches for it. He had originally what? been... <laughs> yeah, he was like 19. He got hired by Yamaha. He had been he'd gone to Berkeley. Then he went to the Chicago School of Music. And then like he was working in a guitar center and the DX7 was there. And he was taking an FM synthesis class at like Berkeley or Chicago School of Music mm. from the guy who invented FM, um, the professor who invented it, right? So then he took what he learned and applied it to the DX7. And Yamaha, he went to some Yamaha like presentation and the Yamaha guys from from japan they heard them mm-hmm. they heard the patches and they said wow these patches are awesome so he's like 19 or something and then they hired him and mm-hmm. then they, they they had him going around he ended up working for like fleetwood mac and like toto and mm-hmm. janet jackson he's working on michael jackson and stuff so yes he just he got into like the depth of the, like what you did back in the 90s or mm-hmm. what, in the 80s the, the dx7 was like the synth that killed like the Jupiter 8 and it killed <laughs> the Moog and the Oberheim. All the analog sense got wiped out. But, um, and I'm an analog guy, so I kind of get sad about that. But, um, <laughs> uh, so, so it's interesting that you mentioned Quincy just because, like, I knew a guy that actually, you know, like he was like, uh, like it tutored him and they told him a lot of good, good, good stories about what mm-hmm. you should do in the studio. And I guess one story that I would just relay is, like, I guess he was in the studio and they were working on something. And, and Quincy said, let's take this and just mix it down to a boom box mm-hmm. so we can go take a cassette and put it in the car and then go mm-hmm. listen to it in the car. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, why would you do that? I said, because we need, you need to kind of feel like what's it going to really sound like outside the studio. Oh. So that you can kind of get a feel like going to work you know people mm-hmm. hear it are they going to bop to it are they going to like it so you get mm-hmm. in the car you put the top down and you start playing and see people like it and see if you like it um and i said well that's really cool because like yeah. you know 
that, that that's a good point of advice because sometimes you can get so caught up in your production that you forget to kind of like maybe kind of show it around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So um, your writing style or genre, I've heard a lot of your music on SoundCloud and mm-hmm. on on um, Spotify. And and you've got a really cool instrumentals like Walking Around in Shibuya. And, oh, um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And your latest single, which I don't know how to speak speak the Japanese right, but like your 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 new single, I like it. You actually have somebody singing on it. What was the name of that single? So you can tell people what it translates to. Your latest uh, release on Spotify. Released. Uh, are you talking about the the latest single in the? Yeah, Spotify? the latest one. Yeah, the one that's out there, like twenty twenty one. There's like uh, there's one called two, and there's one that's in like Katakana, I think. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, it it was uh. The title is Kokoro Cut, uh, means like uh, uh, cutting your heart. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yes. The, the, the song about like, actually, I asked uh, one of my high school friends to sing the song. Yeah. yeah. What's, the, what's his name? Like, I think he's always credited on the, sh- uh, on the track. His name is uh, Shin Haibara. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shin Haibara. I see. It. Yes. Uh, he was the the world of uh, so, so actually in the high school I was in the rock band, uh, like a club, and he was oh, also cool. one of them. Oh, and he was part of that. Like, yes, yes. That's, he also make a, yeah. He also make <laughs> music, so that's why that's I cool. asked him. And uh, I wrote I wrote everything. Just I wrote songs and I wrote re- lyrics about the oh, songs. Oh, so he just sang. He sang it. He just, yeah, he, he just through the vocals. Yes, yes, because he's really good at singing. So no, I like it. I like yeah, it. I like yeah. the. I like. I like all your your, your three twenty twenty one releases on um Spotify. Oh, the one we just talked so about, much. and then like two, and then Vanilla Latte. Oh, um, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I think I think everybody should go out. They should go out to um Spotify, and check out your Spotify and uh, Rick Life. Go life and make sure you go to the and make sure you don't like i guess there are lots of artists that could be different but um you know make sure that you get the right one we'll have your picture so people know <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah and we're gonna we're gonna have the link so we're gonna put your spotify link on our podcast so when we publish oh nice so everybody will have it but um yeah one i like um i like some of your, your 2020 stuff too like like candy crush and pop sweet beats and palm tree I mean, oh. you, I like your style. Your style is oh, really cool because, well, the the cool thing I like about what you're doing is like you know you have some stuff that's instrumental. We have stuff that's coming from like a different focus. It's not always the same, like signature sound. I mean, I can hear your sound, but I can hear like what is your sound if I hear now that I've been listening to you. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that you kind of vary it and you do different things. Oh yeah, like I'm just been trying to something new. Because like, mm-hmm. my my future, I mean, my dream goal is becoming a like a Grammy Award producer. So yeah. I try to like write any any style. yeah any genre any style, and even like I try to like write uh to catch up with a trend. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, my my taste of music, I mean, my style of music may be every time different. But yeah, I try yeah. to figure out, yeah, just, like, I'm on the way of figuring out my style still. So that's why. <laughs> well, I think every musician, if you think about it, everybody pr- progresses. Man, I started off doing, like, punk rock. Because mm-hmm. I, like, I like The Clash. I like Blondie. Mm-hmm. I like The Sex Pistols. And it was, like, 1978. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you go back to 1978, that was like disco was kind of going away. Oh, yeah. It was, people were kind of getting tired of it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we had bands like Blondie and the Talking Heads oh. and the Clash. And it, you started getting this kind of power. It's like, wow, these, this, mm-hmm. it's it's not as produced. It's mm-hmm. not Motown. It's not like the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of honest, kind of like what Kurt Cobain did with Nirvana. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. Because you think about like, up until Nirvana, he had all these hair metal bands. He had all these like new wave bands. Everything was highly produced. And then certainly Kirk comes in there off a of sub pop and he suddenly has this, this punk sound. 
but then mm-hmm. it's a little more deep. Actually, he has like Beatles-esque like lyrics. He kind of mm-hmm. wrote kind of like the Beatles. And so mm-hmm. he had this kind of Beatle kind of inspired writing style with this punk heart edge that was this great punk aesthetic that like inspired the whole grunge movement. You mm-hmm. get like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and, uh, you know, and Smashing Pumpkins. All these bands suddenly came out of, out of that whole thing. And I just think that it's interesting when different things happen. That's why I kind of, I, I get my music style called, I call it expansive sound. Because mm-hmm. I like jazz, I like punk, I like country, I like everything. So mm-hmm. I don't, I never know what I'm going to do. So I said, I just call it expansive, which means it's mm-hmm. like everything. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> really know? cool. That's really cool idea and a cool word. <laughs> I want to use it. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want expansive sound is my record yeah, label, but but it, I call it a genre too. I actually tag it as a genre. So mm. if you want to use it, go feel free to use it. Um, oh yeah, I really want to <laughs> use it. <laughs> but um, but it's uh, it's so cool that like Quincy Jones is a big big influence, and so so maybe some other ones. But we'll get into it. But you you write um, on a DAW because that's what everybody does today. So w- what type of DAW do you use? So for I currently using uh, Logic Pro X. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then. Uh, with using uh, Akai MIDI keyboard. And, okay, uh, Akai. Yes, and for recording, um, like a few months ago, I just got the uh, Scarlett, like a solo studio kit. So it's including oh. like a Focusrite uh, interface and then Scarlett solo uh, headphone and then condenser microphone. That's cool. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the weird thing is, like I, like I said, I grew up, um, when DAWs didn't exist, yeah, yeah, and so like what I tend to do is I use like live track, Zoom live tracks, and R24s and yeah. Tascam 20s, which are all like hardware DAWs, like they're hardware recorders, and you have to punch in and punch out, and you don't mm-hmm. really have the grid. You can yeah. track, but you're forced to kind of like you take your quarter inch lines and your XLR lines, you put them right to your instrument. Mm-hmm. And then you go punch in, you punch out. And if you didn't play it right, you got to go back and play it again. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but, but but it's kind of what I like about mm-hmm. it is it makes you kind of learn your song. Like if you're going to, mm-hmm. like, because you can go on the grid and you can build anything and fix it. But mm-hmm. if you, when you're doing this, you actually have to play it correctly in the right time. Oh, yeah. Or, or it doesn't come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. It but, sounds, I, yeah. It would make you like, harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But and I understand, like, everybody today, everybody's like, what, Keith, why are you doing that? Because, mm-hmm. like, like, you could just go into DAW mm-hmm. and, and you can get the timing, you get the BPM, yeah, you can check yeah. the key, you can do all this <laughs> stuff. But I'm like, I, I kind of like the old-fashioned way because, I, like I said, I grew up with, like, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so when we would mic the band, if we had, you know, if we, we, we record some, we actually go into a reel-to-reel in a mm-hmm. basement or a garage Mm-hmm. recording all the instruments and, that's, and really you, cool, that's the old school i mean if you yeah. think about it, like all the old bands like that's what you had to do and if you had to put together a track you had to you had to practice until you got the track mm-hmm. you know yes but um you know that's not the way it is anymore <laughs> yeah but um, it's really cool because which means like uh the so back to the 90s like 80s like that when the day was no like electric dial, the old musician have to like have to have like higher skill. Like they have, they should be have like a talent skill. So which yeah, means, yeah. like so- sounds like the musician in the back to the around the period has more like a good skill. Yeah, because like they to have to yeah, play perfectly. Yes. Yeah, like like if I go play with a drummer, like I I you know if I decide not to use an eight oh eight, and I play and I mic a guy's drum set, mm-hmm. then we might have to play like a couple of days mm-hmm. to get the stuff right. It's not yeah. as easy as just going on to a seven twenty seven or a nine oh nine and just yeah. punching in the beat. You got to mm-hmm. like lock in mm-hmm. with the bass player. Like, but I kind of like you know I, I I'm a I'm a you know, I'm a playing musician. I'm a keyboardist. So mm-hmm. I tend to go and work with other bands, right? Like keyboardists usually don't play by themselves, but I do. But um, mm-hmm. like typically you go like a drummer, like a drummer doesn't just play 
like you put out a record that's all drums you got to find a band to play with <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah and so then when you're like a, a, a playing musician then you got to go link with people and then like learn how to get into their style and that's kind of where the kind of tradition i come from is actually playing you know with like bands um mm. but you know everybody today you know in my in because of covid i mean i've been home i haven't been able to play i just mm -hmm. do everything for my studio um and so like so because of covid did you have any problems writing your music or because you do everything in a DAW, you didn't really have any issues like with your production and are you mostly writing everything yourself and you don't have to go to a studio and work with other people did you find it hard to write mm, actually i didn't like have a hard time for the writing music because <laughs> from the beginning like i write my own music everything on the computer and uh, even like everything was like doing online like uh, for example like uh, providing my beat and then tracks to the other artist everything was online so like it like a covid situation didn't affect me but just the the thing uh the one thing make me so sad because uh because of covid uh not many live music outside so i feel so bored like like uh, last year like so, there was no concert and then like just just i it didn't affect yeah it didn't affect me as my music career just i think like um just, just i feel like so sad like uh, music get um like a uh, it's like a dead like last yeah. year well, I think no of, like, live music so but if you think about it, if you go to a place like nashville or new orleans or like mm. new york city or la mm. every city like london has a scene you know new york has a scene los angeles has a scene Tokyo mm -hmm. has a scene, you know, Seoul has yeah. a scene. Every, every city has a scene, right? And yeah. if you, every, all the musicians are locked down, mm -hmm. then that whole vibe is gone, you know? Yes, and then yes. we tr we That was so we try sad. Yeah, and we try to do it online, but, like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of musicians I've been talking to for the last year, mm -hmm. they say they do an online show, right? Mm -hmm. But then they, like, the magic's not there because a lot of musicians, they feed off the crowd, right? So yes, if, yes. You're, if you're a singer, you're kind of looking at the crowd, you're waiting to hear back and you, mm -hmm. you change what you do based on the way the crowd is acting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And every musician, I think, adjust to, to the crowd. Yeah. So yeah. if they hear the crowd's really into it, they mm -hmm. might get really, you know, animated and really into the music. And then if, if you're at home mm -hmm. and you're just playing into the screen, it's like, you can't see your fans you mm -hmm. don't get any feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're like, well, I don't know if they dig it or not. I, I can't tell. <laughs> yes. It's yeah, it's less fun like even I was like I I watched like um like a live session online uh from some artists, but even as like listeners, I mean, as fans, I couldn't enjoy <laughs> like much like other I mean, compared to the like live, like live real concert. Yeah, so, yeah. So like, I wish that I I really hope the like more live concert like coming back to the city and they can hear more live music around the city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's been that was um, yeah, that was a big loss for me too because I think um, a lot of people were um very like upset about that because mm -hmm. you, you, the thing about it is like music is alive yeah and i'm yes. a i'm a big fan of jam bands like i like the grateful dead i like mm -hmm. funkadelic i like the almond brothers mm -hmm. and the reason i like bands like that because when you went to go see them mm -hmm. they always play different like i would go see the almond brothers two nights in a row and then every solo was different oh and yeah. e e every way mm -hmm. they, you, know, you go see the grateful dead when, mm -hmm. when they were playing in the mm. 80s and like late 70s you go to a dead concert and they like they would play songs like 20 minute versions of their songs oh that's you know? cool yeah yeah if you go and see like a guy like frank zappa I mean, frank mm. zappa was famous for playing these he never played his solos the same mm. he just like refused to do it like he could but then he would like it's boring so like every time <laughs> he did one of his songs he mm. would change the way he did it and so every time you went to go see him it wasn't like 
it wasn't the same. Now, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people, they like to hear the same thing all the time, but I'm kind of from the, the generation that I actually liked, you know, listening to Hendrix because Hendrix has so many variations of his solos mm. that like I'm a Hendrix collector. Like I collect all the different versions of purple haze of, of the way he would go and change it. Mm. And he would change like, like voodoo child. He changed how he would do it. And oh, it was kind of cool mm-hmm. to see the variation because based mm. on like how he felt. Yes. Yes. Like a jazz musician or a blues guy. And if mm. they go play, it's like, you know, it's how they feel. And I think, people get kind of lose sight that music doesn't always have to be like the same as the original recording, Mm. because if an artist is allowed to express themselves naturally, they're probably going to do it in a different way. Even classical music, they say now they're Mm. like Bach and Beethoven, Chopin. They didn't play those pieces the same every time Mm. they wrote them down. But when they went to play them, they didn't necessarily, I've read like articles. They didn't necessarily play those 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 pieces exactly as it's written they would they have some latitude which is typical of any musician you would tend to kind of change it yeah um yeah. but um you know people kind of get lost in that but um so did you ever play live um before the, the pandemic or were you mostly a, like a studio kind of bedroom producer uh um, i am bedroom producer <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I normally just uh, provide a beat and the music to artists because mm-hmm. my goal is just producer. Like, I don't know, I, I don't just sing much, but these days, uh, many artists, yeah, many artists ask me to collaborate. So I sing a little bit, and even I'm gonna release the new, new single tomorrow. But oh, awesome. I also sing, so since I have my own microphone, so maybe in the future I want to do my own live. But so far, I never done before. Okay, that, yeah, I, I understand that because um, the, the the interesting story about the ghost is like I, I like I said, I've been a keyboardist for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was never the singer in the bands I was in. I mm-hmm. was just playing keyboard, mm-hmm. and then suddenly I realized like the way the industry is you can't really get attention if you don't like sing your own stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can produce other people's stuff and you could get attention doing that mm-hmm. and you could do really good and never sing. But if you really want to do a name for yourself as a, as a unit, you kind of have to have a voice. Yeah, and so yeah. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how am I going to do my voice? Mm-hmm. And then I used voice coders and I created a character called Josephine Electric. Mm-hmm. And she's the lead singer of my band, you know, Phantom Electric Ghost is, has a, this female singer that's actually me on a role in VT4 mm-hmm. vocal transformer. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like my whole thing. And ever since I did that, my numbers went from like, you know, that's why I'm here today because my music where I wasn't singing, wasn't getting attention. When I created Josephine, suddenly I got attention. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was like, I had to actually find a way to sing and I didn't like my male voice. Now I, I actually use it more, but, mm-hmm. um, I just didn't like it, so I created this female voice. <laughs> oh. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like as an artist, like you, you mentioned, like yeah, I'm probably you, you're you're gonna sing more because you mm-hmm. find out like it, well, if it's your song, sometimes you want to sing it. You can yes. give it to somebody else, but yes. sometimes as a singer songwriter, you know, Bob Dylan, right? Bob Dylan mm-hmm. doesn't have the greatest voice in the world. But mm-hmm. it's his song, and when he sings a song like "Tangled Up in Blue," like that—that's only only he can sing it. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things when you're a singer-songwriter, it's like you could give it to somebody else, but it, some songs are like your song, and it's better if like you sing it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why, like, I've been just struggle with like even I wanna uh, I wanna provide my own music to the artist. But maybe I want to sing. Like, this is what I have been, like, thinking, like, more than two years. And finally, like, this year, I started to sing by myself. But I'm still not confident with uh, my voice. Yeah. But so I need to, like, train my, like, how to sing. Yeah. Still, but, yeah, maybe I'll figure out. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, it's very endearing to me because I love singer-songwriters, and I don't always measure whether or not they can hit notes like Whitney Houston or Celine Dion, you know, because there's a whole thing in music where you could have, like, a Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, you can have these great voices because your voice is an instrument. And I recognize that. But mm. the thing about what happened in the 70s, you get guys like a Neil Young, you get people like Bob Dick. They started to prove that you didn't have to have a pitch perfect voice. Mm-hmm. As a songwriter, if you have something to say, if yeah. you're coming from a unique place, mm-hmm. your voice doesn't have to be technically perfect. Mm-hmm. That it's actually more important that you have heart, that you have passion, mm-hmm. and that you're saying something. And it's not necessarily the quality of your tone, it's more like what you're doing with what you have, mm-hmm. you know? And I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I like a lot of indie artists that maybe people think they, those voices are not like, you know, they're not something that Motown would ever use, but mm-hmm. that's not the point. Like not mm-hmm. everybody's going to have perfect pitch or a five octave voice. They don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you use what you have with your skill set and then you can create beautiful music. There's some really good music out there, you know, like Lou Reed. Lou Reed created great music. He basically is spoken word. Mm-hmm. you know and yeah, you know yeah. and so there's, there's like things you can do like it's okay if you have, if you find limitations you can do spoken word you can use vocoders you can uh you know just find a way to be happy with your range yeah, like yeah. once you realize what your range is you're kind of like okay mm-hmm. this is what i can do i'm going to stay within it and get good at it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but um yeah, I mean, you can stretch, but I think it's a lot of times people just build, you know, artists over time, you'll see artists like, you know, build a falsetto. Maybe when they first started, they didn't have it. And then they, they later you hear this, like, got this amazing falsetto. How do they do that? Well, they practiced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still but, um, hearing, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think every artist, you're going to grow, you're going to evolve mm-hmm. and you're going to figure out over time what works for you and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What, what the audience responds to and what they don't respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you, you mentioned that you collaborate. So you work with other artists, you like provide beats or actually do production on people's work. Yes. yes. So normally uh, rappers uh, from Japan, like they ask me to uh, like write a track. Also they ask me to sing hook part like a chorus part mm-hmm. to me. So this is okay. how I collaborate these days. That's cool. I think that's awesome to be able to do that because, um, you know, a, a lot of music is how you learn. And I think mm-hmm. during COVID, the one thing I found that doing these like long distance collaborations, like I did mm-hmm. a collaboration with artists in Canada. I never met them. Um, I, I, I did a collaboration with an artist like in, um, you know, like, uh, I think Sweden, um, and I never met them, but we, we, you know, we did zoom calls and stuff like that, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's really cool today mm-hmm. that you can just jump on the net and do like some kind of social networking call mm-hmm. and, you know, send files back and forth between your like we transfer in your Google Drive, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and then you're like, you said, well, you know, you get on the call and say, well, can you go run that back? And I, the one thing I remember that, well, that's a little frustrating, like is if you're in a physical studio mm. and you're with an artist, it's like real easy to tell them like, hey, can you go do that and see? Yes, yes. Can it's you go change that to, to, to G, <laughs> you know, can, can, you, can you use a beetle chord? Mm. You know, can you like, can you do that? Like minor seventh or something. Mm-hmm. But like it's hard to get a call them on the phone and yes. tell them what, what what bar it is and say, hey, can yeah. you go back to bar? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's not as easy and it's not as yes. fun. Yeah. Still. But, but yeah. you can. But did you I mean? Did, did you have fun doing it? Did you fa- find a way to have fun doing it? Yeah. Online? I I just figure out like how to like deal with such a. Uh, so I try to just like take a note and then like send it to them like a way that they have to fix or like how they have to sing or something like that in your head so the so try not to make like a back and forth uh yeah yeah yes well i think it's it's interesting because um one thing that we're doing that might probably too late to have you on this year but we are doing this like uh, bedroom per, um festival that were on the 16th and the 18th of this month 
Ooh. we're taking we're taking like we've had over 70 guests since 2018 and we've got about 23 24 of our guests that have been on the podcast mm-hmm. are going to do like 30 minute sets online Ooh. on our facebook youtube and twitch channels and it, but you know you have to kind of be set up to do that but um yeah so so but but it's like we're letting people from their bedroom studio mm-hmm. or their garage or their basement or a stage that they got somewhere Mm-hmm. let them do unplugged some people are doing full video performances because we're like taking mpeg so like if you have a video of mm-hmm. you performing we can actually Whoa. focus we can actually share your video on the pod like like if you can't perform but you've got like a youtube video mm-hmm. to play an original music mm-hmm. we could actually run that so like if you if think about it, if you have anything like that Mm-hmm. then maybe we could ha- have you um, participate. It's a three-day festival from July mm-hmm. 16th to the 18th. We pretty much have most of the slots. We got a couple slots open. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, but pretty much everything's been scheduled. Most of the bands are already on the schedule. We're creating posters and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are bands that might come in that might not be on the big posters and have smaller posters later. Um, so mm-hmm. if it's anything that you're interested in, maybe next year when you're more, uh, like, have a have a bigger plan for it. Um, but you said you're mostly a, bre- a bedroom producer that works with people, but you did mention you're doing more with your voice. So, yes, yeah, if there's something like we always tend to bring people back into the show based mm-hmm. on whatever project you're working on. So are you mm-hmm. working on like a full album or are you do- primarily just doing singles? Because I think this is kind of like the age of the Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. So is it really more that you work on singles or you want to put together like an EP or an mm-hmm. album? I'm working on just single for now. Maybe I gotta do like one more EP soon, but I'm still figuring when because I still have more like stuff to do with other artists. So I okay, try collabs. to yeah, yeah, do so many collabs right now. So I have to work on them first. So. Well, yeah, well, that's that's the work that comes in, you know. If you, yes. I, I, I understand like a lot of people gotta do the collabs. Yes, but- yes you're keeps you a working musician yes yes yeah so have you thought based on the work you do of doing anything with like um sync licensing like doing stuff for video games doing it for film or you Mm -hmm. primarily more toward like the spotify playlist but would you think of ever pitching your music into video games and film and um other things like advertising is that something you're interested in or you're more interested in it I try to be in my, I mean, I try to make my songs be in the playlist, like a mm-hmm. Spotify playlist. Yep. So that's your, that's your goal. You, you're not, yes, really, yes. at this point, you're not interested in trying to get like into the next like, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> mm, but I'm, I'm also thinking, but I don't know, but maybe my, my first goal is being my, my song should be in the playlist first and okay. then after that maybe i grow more to the next step yeah yeah but, yes. but it's interesting today because i've seen some bands have kind of figured out maybe they should do like indie film like mm. so you, you'll get you'll get like a small indie band to actually go and work with like indie filmmakers like in seattle or work oh. with them in la and mm. and get their music into these indie films and then all these indie mi- filmmakers say oh I've heard mm-hmm. that before, and then they get work, and so oh, like nice. so so you then you you know you don't get this big crowd, but you get a reputation for doing the work, mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know, you could end up being on a Netflix or, you know, Amazon Prime show or Hulu, and mm-hmm. you know, and and the weird the weird thing is today, the way we get paid as musicians sometimes it's like it's very lucrative to actually get your stuff on like sync licensing soundtrack. You actually might get paid more. But that's mm. not your goal. That's not the and not every musician. Oh, I want to get paid because we we tend to do it because we love to do it. But mm. the reality of it is, there's there's a lot of different um, channels today for mm. musicians. You know, because yeah, you yeah. think about it, like advertising. There's everything in the advertising has some kind of piece of music on it, right? Mm. And yes. so there's tons of music that, and it tends to be a, a small group of these people mm. that are doing that. But there's so much work that you could kind of creep into that 
yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and take peel off some of that work. <laughs> mm. you know? So that's just something that as an artist, uh, I always pitch that, you know, that doesn't get you into the big spotlight of an iTunes playlist or, or a title playlist, but it yeah. actually might like pay for you to keep on working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know so it's just an alternative thing and you don't always have to go with the same name i mean sometimes i actually use a different name if i do stuff like that i don't use oh. my ghost name i use a different name mm-hmm. and so then like yeah, it doesn't look like i'm I, if i don't want people to think i'm doing that I, I, then then i'm not doing it <laughs> <laughs> but um so what's your opinion like on the future of music where do you think it's going do you think it's more cross collaboration between like genres like country music using hip-hop jazz and rock you know things cross edm hitting like alternative and you know tripway all these different things do you think it's more like a melting pot or do you think it's very segmented that oh it's trance oh it's big beat oh it's like this you know it's dance or it's Mm. bass and drum do you think it's more segmented or do you think it's more merging more i think it's get more diverse since Mm -hmm. i've been listening to like new music like a friday on spotify playlist i feel like uh, so many genres just get mixed up these days so uh, like sometimes hard to categorize the music like is it like a pop song or a dance song (laughs) or hip-hop or yeah yeah because even pop song uh, these days they use the like a hip hop type of beat, even they rap. So just like they yeah. make like new genre or I don't know, just mix it up or whatever. But yeah, even uh, have country music, yes, <laughs> country even, music having yeah. like hip hop in it. Yeah, you know, there's yes. country music that will have a hip hop rap in it. Yes, and yes. you're like, wow, and it's like I never thought that was ever gonna happen. Yeah, you'd ever get like a country beat and then have like a hip hop thing on it, and then <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. then then it happened because I figured like all oh, those guys are never gonna go for that, yeah. and then like then they did. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well, that means like you can do anything. <laughs> yeah, even I heard uh, like some like a punk rock and they combine with hip hop and then they do rap. So I don't know. Yeah, well, I think it's wide open and I think it's good because I think one thing that used to kind of drive me crazy. It's like American radio, like they would just play the same thing all the time. Yeah. You're like yeah, Pink yeah. Floyd, Tom Petty, you know, <laughs> Fleet, mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac. Like, mm-hmm. over, not, not that I don't like those bands. I love those bands. But mm-hmm. it's like, there's so much music out there. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I actually found like the college radio. Mm-hmm. And what I like about like SoundCloud and all these music services now mm-hmm. is you're not kind of stuck. Like, you used to have to go listen to Casey Kasem mm-hmm. and the Top 40. To hear what's going on, right? Yeah. And yeah. and now now you can actually go onto all these different Spotify playlists for all these different genres. If you want to listen to punk, you want to listen to funk, you want to listen to EDM, you can find like the best new releases, the best new artists. And you know, and then you can go on SoundCloud and just look for stuff yourself. Or mm-hmm. go on YouTube and you can find all these indie bands. I mean, that's what I do. Like every week I go on Instagram. Oh, that's and, cool. <laughs> I, and I look for bands. Mm-hmm. I look for bands. And then I, if I like a band, I say, hey, you want to come on the show? Oh, <laughs> because, that's cool. Well, because, yeah, I think that's where it's going on. I think Instagram, mm-hmm. even more than Facebook, more than YouTube, I find mm-hmm. so many artists on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much every week I can book three or four bands. Oh, by, really? Wow. Yeah, for, since 2018, I've, I've been interviewing three to four bands a week just mm-hmm. by going through Instagram and listening to uh, a little clip like because somebody will put like a 60 second clip or they'll put a little longer ones like they, you can do longer ones now or mm-hmm. they'll do a reel. Mm-hmm. and i would look at the reel i was like whoa i like that and then i would like i would send them a message and the weird thing is i don't have to go through an agent most oh, of the time yeah. i talk right i talk right to the artist oh yeah and if people told me that. yeah people told me oh you can't do that you got to talk to the agent I haven't, mm-hmm. I've only talked to like four agents out of 75 bands. Mm-hmm. O- only had to talk to four agents. Most of every band I've ever talked to, I've talked directly to the band or the artist themselves. Like I'm That's talking really to you. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's, it's more personal. And I think, I think people mm-hmm. appreciate that because if you're an artist, 
you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go through layers. And I know some artists do because they're big. So mm-hmm. I say like, so if you're a big multi-million selling artist, then you're going to have a layer. You're going to mm-hmm. have a manager. You're going to have all this stuff. And yeah. it's hard to get to you. But, yeah. you know, to me, I like talking at this level of like, you know, like can I, I used to be a college radio DJ at my college. Oh, cool. And I used to play like all the cool stuff that I thought it was cool because it was stuff that nobody was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I pick all the most obscure things that people say, do you want people to dance? And so well, that's not a, I'm not about dancing. <laughs> I, was, I was about like listening. Mm. And so I would, I would have like, you know, like the, the Velvet Underground oh, and yeah. Big Star, you know, some oh, nice. like obscure 20 minute song off a of Frank Zappa record. Oh, I mean, nice. th- that's, well, yeah, because I, I I wanted to challenge people to like, don't just listen to something like two minutes long. Like I would go and put like 20 minute long songs on, you know, mm. eight minute long songs, because I want you to kind of like see what's out there. It's not mm. everything has to be catchy. You know, not, some things can be more involved and you got to put your headphone on um, to actually really listen to what's going on. So I really like the fact that you came on the show and we're mm-hmm. going to push this out. Um, we are on 11 podcast platforms, including Spotify podcast, Apple podcast, Radio Public, Overture, Stitcher, many, many more. So what's going to happen is after we're done, within an hour, we're going to be on Spotify podcast. Mm-hmm. We're going to be on Apple. And then the other ones will cascade over the net. And we will. the cool thing is um, Instagram has integration with Spotify. So once mm, we yeah, yeah, yeah. get... Yeah, once we get the Spotify version of the podcast, we will run a story mm-hmm. and then we'll run a highlight and mm-hmm. you'll be able to like share that and then people can actually click it and it'll go right to the podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you can yeah. you can promote that and we will send you the links to yes, Apple yes. and Spotify and Anchor. Um, so you can share that with your, your uh, fans and we don't charge anybody. We do ask people to look at our sponsors. We do have sponsors. On the mm-hmm. podcast, we do have links where mm-hmm. you can actually buy merch like our T-shirts and stuff. So okay. we do ask people, if you want to support us talking to artists for free mm-hmm. for up to an hour, mm-hmm. please check out our merch. Check out our um, support links and the companies we work with. That's how we keep the show free. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so thank you yeah, very much for being, yeah, on, being on the show. Yeah, thank you for it, inviting me. It was a really good opportunity for me. Well, thank you. Everybody go out to Rick Life and go out to the link. We're going to have your main link with all your, like you have a, like a primary link that has links to everything. We're, we, we're going to put that out there. Uh, we have your Spotify. We have your SoundCloud. Uh, we do encourage people go. If you go to any of these links, make sure if you can like it, like her songs, make sure like if you're in Spotify, like the song, download the song, tell a friend about the song, put it on a playlist. That's how you do it. Like if you like it, if you like Rick Life, take her song, put it on a playlist, like it, download it, send it to your friends. That's how you help musicians. So hopefully everybody will do that. And uh, we'll talk to you again um, in a couple of months and we'll see where you are. Okay. Good night. Thank you. Okay, bye.